God bless you, Todd. Thank you for coming. I get a kiss from my Bubba. That's fun. Hey, good morning. Can you guys like yell and stand up and stuff in the middle of the sermon? Because that's what's happening at our church. So it, I'm not kidding you. There, like we have a lot of new Christians, and they're like, "Yeah, right." And uh, and so it's happening, and it, that's really cool. And in fact, hi guys, you're probably looking right now because I think they finished the first service. So um, get back to work, and they're online and. But they're, they're worshiping God, but really, seriously, if you talk to me today, it, it's fine. I'm not scared. Um, I love you. God has something for you. He has a great word today, but can I do something? I want to introduce to you my wife who's taking pictures or something. Come on up. <laughs> can you just say hi to him? Okay, go ahead. Say it loud. Uh, uh, yeah. More out of shape now than I've ever been, so I'm, for sure nobody <laughs> wants to see that. But you know, as we were worshiping this morning, um, I don't, I don't, I feel like God's doing something new in my life with this kind of giving me a word during worship time, and I kind of stepped out in faith and did it in our church a couple weeks ago, and mm. um, God was kind of doing that with me again, and I was like, I don't know if this word's just for me or to share now or share tomorrow night when we have our time, but I was like, if I have an opportunity this morning, I want to do it. So I just want to challenge you, and um, I'm going to grab my notepad so that I don't forget what it was God was speaking to me, but as we were in worship, I was hearing people worship in different ways. I was hearing some people crying out to God for something, and I was hearing people just praise and adoration to God. And I feel like that there, you know, we go through seasons in life where we're sometimes we're in a season of where we're crying out and we're needing something from God, and we're believing, and we're crying out, and we're crying out, and we're crying out, and begging God for something. And then we have other times in our life when we're in a season of we're just on the other side of getting what we needed from God. And we're in a season of blessing and we've just received and now we're on fire and we're excited and we're thrilled and we're happy and we're content in this place. And you know, throughout my life I've been in both sides of that. And I feel like in this church right here in this group of people, you have people who are on both sides of that. And my challenge to you this morning is if you're on fire, catch someone else on fire. Yeah. next to you. So if you're in a season of having just received what you've been begging God for, and you're in that season of blessing and being grateful for what God has given you, and you're standing next to someone who's crying out to God and believing God and begging God for something, lock arms with them, pray with them, believe with them, encourage them, lift them up. That's what this convocation is about. It's about a church coming together and believing for God for what he's going to do, but also praising him for what he's already done and what he is currently doing. Don't miss out on any of these nights. Mm -hmm. I know this is Sunday and this is the traditional time to come and worship and receive from God and give out and to serve and minister, but don't miss the next few nights because God is doing something in this church. We were here last year and I can see a shift and a change happening here. You want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. God's doing something in our church. God is doing something in the church, the global church right now. And trust me, you want to be part of it. Get on the train because it's moving fast and you want to get going with it. So if you're on fire, catch that person. If maybe the person next to you is a damp cloth, 
set them on fire. Don't let them be a damp cloth. Catch them on fire. Get everybody on fire. And then when you get catch the fire here, get out in your community and start spreading the fire. Amen? All right. Look at her go. She, a couple of weeks ago, she gave a, or maybe it was last time, I don't know. She gave a message like that, and someone from Alaska texted me. And she said, I'm crying at my table, and that was for me, and you need to tell her. And so anyway, amen. If, if that was for you, let her know today. And, you know, I, I want to give a little testimony before I start. Last time that we were here in October, we talked about Ebenezer. And if you want to hear about that, go back and look at the, uh, you know, testimony on it. It's a long, lengthy testimony, but basically even his name uh, is why he's here today. Seven years old, right? And he was six years old, and he was um, dead on the operating table for five minutes last year in February. And there's a lot of stuff. And in fact, they meet every month because uh, they can't figure out why he's alive. No, they have no case of anybody living through uh, what he did. And God answered prayer. I heard for an hour I'm praying as they're starting to take him in. And then it, after an hour went by, it's around 10.52 a.m., I heard live. And when I heard Liv, I uh, told that to his uh, mom, my uh, daughter-in-law, and she just burst out and she cried. And then later, anyway, it's a long story. So you'll have to check that story out. But in January of this year, uh, you know, rejoicing that Ebenezer, you know, the miracle and everything, I'm in Hawaii. How many of y'all live in Hawaii? You live that? <laughs> and uh, we're on the big island, and I'm doing a... Um, kind of a, not remarriage, but a marriage renewal of vows for my uh, brother-in-law. And uh, my uh, uh, family is there, a lot of our family is there, and we're just, uh, we went to the volcano area. And I mean, it's alive, like volcanoes and all kinds of stuff. It's really cool. It's about 9 a.m. And I get a call, and I look, and it's a, a guy who had been in our church about three years ago, he and his wife, uh, Val, if you're watching, Val Lechuga and Charlotte Lechuga. In, our, uh, in fact, they've been really important in our church. They've been on our servants council and everything. And about three or so more than that years ago, um, they just kind of typed an email and said, Pastor, you know, we love you and everything, but we're just, we're going to go a different way. And they were having some things going on. So they went on and did their own thing. Well, I had not talked to him since that long and his name comes up Val and so I'm like all right so I said hello and all of a sudden I spent you know 30 minutes or so away from everybody walking the lava fields because he told me a story about his wife she was just doing dishes at the sink and all of a sudden she just had like aneurysm burst in her head and uh, she fell back she screamed they called 911 and where he was at right now, it had been a while, it had been a few days, and they had on life support machines and everything, and they basically told him that she's not going to really have any life, and what did he want to do? So he was trying to make the decision whether to pull her off of the machines. And uh, so I said, hmm, you know, how do you like to get that on your vacation, you know, and you're listening in it. And I just said, you know, I love you guys. I'm praying. He's crying. I'm praying for him. And uh, I said, what, when are they doing this? And Arizona time, it was, you know, around 5 o'clock or something. I, and it would have been noontime hours. And I said, you call me. I'm going to answer. 
because Char knows me, and I want you to put the phone up, and I'm going to pray. So he called me. I left lunch and walking around the parking lot. He put the phone up. I'm hearing the machines. And uh, I prayed. And this prayer, you guys, this is a powerful prayer. This is one of the most powerful prayers ever prayed, and it was taught by Jesus. (laughs) Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not realizing that on earth, I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe she's going to heaven. But I said, on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, she's healed. In heaven, God has a plan for life, right? So we're praying that. We get done with that prayer. And then um, I, you know, I went to bed that night. In fact, letting our church know to pray, thinking that she had passed away. His sister thought she'd passed away because he called his sister and he's crying. She's like, yeah, I know, I know. And he's like, no, you got to hear this story. And he called me, and here's the story. Um, During the night, they're expecting her to expire, and a phlebotomist goes in to take blood from her, takes blood out of her, and she jumps up. Hey, what are you doing? Where's my husband? What's going on? She did the same thing Amanda did. And she ran out, got the nurses, and um, they're in service. I know they were in the first service because I saw it. They're in the first service, so if you guys are listening, they are in our church. They've been coming Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday. They're coming all the time. God's doing a miracle. Amen? And I, I got a whole different sermon to talk about, though, once your miracle has happened, because I've been healed from cancer and everything, too. And there's, once your miracle has happened, you got to keep living. you got to keep going. And so it kind of makes our transition to Jonah. I'm a person that likes to read a lot of scriptures, so uh, hang on. If you can turn to Jonah, chapter 1. Jonah is like right before Malachi. It's right towards the end. And um, I like to read a whole bunch of scriptures, so I hope you guys are okay to stand up and read that many. But um, I'm going to read the first 17 verses. And then in chapter 3, I'm going to read uh, 6 through 10. And there's a reason. We're going to go over this whole thing, but I want, to, I want to read this and just set it up for us. You guys there? Are you ready? All right. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Anmatea, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled the great wind, opened the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give you a thought to us that we may not perish. And... uh, 
And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more temptuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea, and then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Verse 17, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now look, we're going to just go down a little bit to chapter 3. Look at chapter 3 and verse 6. And I'll fill in chapter 2 for you later. Chapter 3 verse 6. The word reached the king of Nineveh. And he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And issued a proclamation published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent, turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had, and he would do, it said that he would do to them, and he did not do it. Lord, we thank you, God, for the, your word today. God, we pray that you'd open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear Speak to us and speak through us, Lord, today. Be glorified, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank God for the things He does not do. Um, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we are all destined to be a sent, separation from God, sent to hell, but God through his love, gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I love him so much. Now let's talk about the 
book Jonah. Jonah is a true book. We're thinking that the times are from 795 to 750 BC. He, the, the person that wrote this book was a prophet. Now, when you see that God spoke to him and he went the other way, you got to understand Jonah wasn't a coward. And I'm going to explain what Jonah was, but he wasn't a coward. But he knew that the word came to him. And so he decided to go the other way. Jonah, as a prophet, had already been saying words in his lifetime that got him, you know, in a lot of trouble. People would, they don't like to see a prophet coming because the prophet comes and kind of exposes them. And listen, I'm going for two groups today. I'm going for those that have been saved and I'm going for those that are not saved. So those are the two groups. And this Jonah was not a coward. He was a hater. He didn't, it wasn't that he was afraid that God, that God wouldn't protect him and take care of him. He hated Nineveh. He hated him. And why should God forgive somebody that had been so cruel and so horrible to his people? Probably family members have been killed. People have been hurt. Jonah was very angry at God. And guess what he did? He ran away from the presence of the Lord. He ran away from the presence of the Lord. Here's what I'm uh, asking you. Are you running away from the presence of the Lord? Have you began to run away from what God is telling you, what God is doing inside you? Have you been a person that says, hey, um, God, I, I don't like them. I hate the, here, let me let me try to fix it like this. Okay, let me let me explain. And I wasn't sure if I could share this story, but I will. We have some Christ Church members here, uh, Roselane Assembly of God members. But uh, I share this story because I went to Paraguay as a young minister and a youth pastor type guy, and I went to Paraguay, and uh, I was there for about twenty something days. It was amazing. And, you know, when you're, you know, new and everything, they asked who would like to speak, the first person to speak. And, man, I put my hand up like, ah, I got a word, man. I got a word from God. And then they had a, a little stage like this that you stood up on. And there was 10,000 people would come out of the middle of nowhere. There was no air conditioning, no electricity, but 10,000 people come to a market. And uh, as they came up, there's a little kid that came up on a donkey and he had his feet, you know, on mud and he's got the donkey. And so I'm like, well, that's a little distracting. I look over here and a lady's feeding her baby. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know, I, and I'm looking over here and it's just, you know, it's it's pandemonium. And I I'm, I just go blank. I couldn't preach very well. And thank God there is a legend, Phil Hutzel, and he was there and he just preached another sermon. He didn't preach what I preached because. Even my team told me it was terrible. You know, they all, they all hurt. And, and, but people came to the Lord. It was great. And so then the next time I was humbled, and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. And so then I preached a message that I literally read the Bible, read it. And people came to the Lord. And my team came up and said, man, that's the best message you've ever preached. 
So how do you like to get humbled like that? Is the word of God, none of my stories, but then the word of God. So I came back and I thought, I got this figured out. I love God. I'm going to be able to just do this thing. And when I came home, I had already been asked to be full-time on a church staff, and I was excited about it. And I thought, but well, you know what I ought to do? I probably ought to ask God. And I haven't heard. No, and seriously, I don't hear like, you know, I don't know other guys. Maybe they hear God all the time. Maybe it's been a couple of times in my life, and I'm 58 years old. But I'm telling you, I just asked, just like I said, I just kind of, Shalantly uh, asked, and God said, No, you're to stay at Rose Lane Assembly Christ Church. And because I thought I knew better, but I was angry and I knew it was God, and I wasn't angry at the pastor, I wasn't angry at uh, everybody that was there, I was angry at God because I didn't like those people. And I didn't want to minister to those people. Is anybody listening to me? I mean, I had, I wanted to go to the new place. I wanted to go do all kind of cool things. And God said, no, you're supposed to be there. And so for a year, I worked around 100 hours a week at my secular job. And I worked, made sure I was working on Wednesday night. And I worked on Sunday morning and Sunday night. And I, I didn't go to church for a year. And we just came to that church. And my wife took our children and went to every service. That's one thing that won me back. She went to every service, and I'm looking at her, and she's like, well, you got to do what you got to do, but as for me and my house, <laughs> we're going to serve the Lord, and, and uh, she's going to heaven with or without me. And can I, can I say something to you couples? We have five couples getting married just in the last next few months, and uh, God's just speaking to them, you know, and they're not wanting to live together, but they want to get married, and so that's awesome that's happening. But one thing I explained to them is you got to love God more than you love your mate. you got to love God more than your husband. you got to love God more than your wife. He has to be first place in your life. Because your family won't make it if he isn't. But if he is, they're going to make it. You know, God is first in your life. So, after a year, I said, yes, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm coming back. Within a couple weeks, they threw me back in the youth group and put me as a youth pastor. And I just all I kept doing was preaching the prodigal son, you know, coming back to Jesus. And the group grew. I mean, it grew up. It was, it was happening. And then within just a few months, I was put on full time at that church where I'm at now. But I was there for five years, and then I went to another church for seven years, and then I've come back to Christ Church. But do you, do you think God knows what he's doing? Yeah. He knows what he's doing, even when we think we want something better than that. But you see... Jonah was trying to run away from the Lord, but because of what happened, this is the first point if you're taking notes. God will often ask you to do things you don't want to do, like uh, stop sinning, um, start giving. It's serious. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, and, and I have a question. I ask this all the time. Why is it easier to be mean than it is to be nice? Why is it easier to do bad 
than it is to do good. I mean, it is for me. Maybe you guys, oh, man, it's just simple to do good. Okay, can I follow you around? I mean, I, I need to figure it out. I get so exhausted being nice to people. I'm just being honest. I get exhausted being nice to people. And, and yet, you know, being, you know, ignoring them or something, I just feel, ooh, I'm getting strong. Let me get strong. And there is an enemy in me. There's that enemy in me. I fight not against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities of this world. There's a constant fight. We are in a battle, and we have to be able to get strong. But listen, then this first point, God will often ask you things you don't want to do to love your enemy. In verse 2, he said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against Nineveh for their evil has come up against me. You see, Jonah was not a coward. He was a hater. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 through 46, Jesus tells us that we need to love our enemies. Do good to those that persecute you. Love your haters. Love those that hate you. Do not hate people who hate you, but love your enemies. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. The request of what God asked caused a reaction in Jonah. The request of what God is requesting you to do, he's talking to you, that request causes a reaction in you and me. That request that God said, no, stay at the church and minister to my people in that church caused a reaction in me. God's word will cause a reaction to either do what he says to do or run for the hills. Running from God is the most miserable thing that somebody can ever do. I'm telling you right now because I did it. It's the most miserable thing that you can do, but it is an action. You see, Point number two, or the second part of this is you can always find about, uh, you can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. Anybody? You can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. It's, if, if it wasn't difficult, he probably wouldn't be talking to you, you know, and go, here, this is what you need to do. If it was simple, you would be, you know, doing simple things. You'd be, hey, this is the best thing to do. But when he says to Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh, he's like, huh. Is it, how, anybody going the opposite direction of Nineveh, please? And he had plenty of boats. You see, he found a ship going to Tarsus. You can always find a boat selling in the wrong direction. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard 
that leads to life, and those that find it are few. The direction is obedience. The direction is obedience, and the only way to God is through Jesus. The only way to God is through Jesus. I know we're talking about the book of Jonah, and we're in the book of Jonah, but I've been throwing some things about Jesus who happened to, you know, about 700 years later, 780 years later, Jesus came into existence. See, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And what he did is he allowed his son to be born to a virgin girl. We're thinking 14, 15, 16 years old. And she carried the son of God. And he was born not as 30 years old or 33 years old as Adam, but he's born as a baby. He grew up and he's sinless, perfect. And he taught teachings and he came to die for you and me. But in one of these teachings, he said, you have to love those who hate you. You have to... Uh, Pray for those that despitefully use you. And then Jesus died for us because he wanted to give us eternal life. But it's not easy. You see, the direction that we have to go is obedience. I believe you said it. it was, he, he was talking about this this morning. The answer is yes. When God speaks, the answer from us is always yes. Do you understand that? I can tell you once again from experience, do not try no or don't run the other way. The answer is yes. For God to love the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life for you, for me, and for those that are saved, those like Jonah, those who are a prophet, God died for you and you know it. And you've told people and you've, you've let them know. And then all of a sudden, one day, here on the throne, here's God. And you're pulling him off and you're going, no, I wouldn't do it that way. Hold on. Let's go. The, I, I would never forgive Ninevites. Are you kidding? Those people are terrible. They, they've done terrible things. To the children of God. I'm going the opposite way. But the direction that we must go is obedience through Jesus Christ. So he paid the fare. Listen, you guys. Jonah paid the fare. And I, do you guys, anybody know Bob Dylan? Um, had a song. You got to serve somebody. It might be the devil. It might be the Lord. But you got to serve somebody. If you're going the opposite direction, you're going to pay a fare. Everybody has to pay a price. And Jonah paid a fare, but not only did he pay a fare, but because he was going the wrong direction, listen to this, it said God sent a storm, and it was busting the place up. And then people are telling him, hey, wake up, what's wrong with you? Pray out to your God. And then he tells who his God is. And they realize that he's the one. But they still keep trying to make it. And they can't. So finally, they throw him out. Jonah paid the fare. 
Jonah said, listen, listen, he's a prophet. He knew what was going to happen to him. He, he, he's like, you know what, God? Just kill me, because I ain't talking to those guys. I've felt that stubbornness before. Yeah. God, I just, just take me out. I don't want to talk to them. So instead, though, they throw him out, and he hits the water, and listen what happens. The place just, it just, all of a sudden, the, the, the water just goes glassy. It just, the storm completely stops. And now he's out here flailing around. But if you're on the ship, are you letting Jonah back in? No way. Good luck, bro. You know, you shouldn't run from God. And yet, God sends a fish. And this fish swallows him up. And I didn't read this part to you in chapter 2, his prayer. But inside that fish that swallowed him up, he said it was dark. We know this. Uh, from uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not and some other places, guys that have been uh, swallowed by great fish, that they begin to get digested. So here's, here's what's going on. It's dark. Acid is eating his skin, literally eating his skin, eating his body. There's other things in there. There's a fish in there. He's just flopping. <laughs> And he's hearing it flopping, and there's things that are dying and things that are dead. And you'll hear the flop, 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 and it, you didn't hear it anymore because it's beginning to be digested. And guess what? He's one of them things. He's in the completely dark. His skin is burning off of his body, and there's dead and dying things all around him. I can tell you, child of God, you have accepted Christ, maybe like me when you were seven years old. When you run from God, it's dark. Everything is burning on you. And all around you is dead and dying. Because you've known life. You've known brightness of life. And now it's just all dead. And it's all, it's all smelly. And it's hot. Hot as Hades. It says, hot as hell. And, and, and his body is decomposing. You see, so he paid the fare and he went his way. And many of us have paid a price to go in the wrong direction. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, God may send a storm to wake you up. And we talked about that, how God sent this storm. And then he, he was thrown into the deep and he began to drown. But God sent a way out for him, which was the fish. And in verse 9, he did say, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And so they threw him in. And Jonah's confession led him to die. If God did not save him, he confessed in verse 12. He says, I know it became of me that the great tempest has come upon you. Today, right now, let us confess. It's because of us. It's because of going in the wrong direction 
I'm at the point I'm at now. I think I was talking to somebody um, even today, and I know this week, that they've gone in the wrong direction. It's never too late to turn around. Is anybody listening? I mean, this is, we're, we're, we're talking about repentance. Repentance is kind of given. We're talking about going deeper. And I didn't think you could go any deeper than Jonah did. Jonah got in a well and went to the depths of the sea, down to the bottom, burning his flesh, can't see anything around. Everything around him is dead and dying. The smells are overwhelming him. And he's realizing, listen, I know God, and God doesn't want me to be in this position. And you guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a spoiler for you. In fact, let's read it. And I want to tell you this. It's in chapter 2, and it's right here in verse 9. It says, But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. What I have vowed I will pay. We do this in our church. I do this every morning at 8.30. Do a five-minute word of encouragement. At the end of it, I go, I've got great news for you. And guess what, you guys? i got great news for you. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, you will be saved. And I said, there's not any magical prayer or anything that you pray. But if you pray this, just pray this prayer with me. And what I lead everybody in is I pray this prayer and I just say, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you're raised from the dead. And I want to get to this vow part because this is the vow part. Listen to this. And I always say this at the end. And I will follow you all the days of my life. That's what Jonah said. That's what Jonah did when he was a prophet. He was like, yeah, God, I'll, I'll do whatever you do. Whenever you tell me to say something, I'll say it. And then one day he decided not to because he was a hater and he didn't like the Ninevites. So he was running from God and he decided not to do it. And when he woke up, when I woke up after a year of being out of church, I was like, God, I'm sorry. You're right. And the vow I said, when you told me to do what you want me to do, I will do it. And I will do it no matter what. Well, here's what happened. It says, it says in the Bible, it's really cool. It says he was vomited onto the shore. He was vomited onto the shore. And a lot of people say, did hundreds of thousands of people really repent? Well, when a dude comes out of a fish with seaweed all over his hair and he's bleached from being trying to be digested, yeah. And you wonder why people are listening to your message now because you've been through what you've been through. And you're wondering, can God use you? Man, he can use you. Yes, he can. Because of what you've been through, he can use you right now. You see... When we run away from the presence of the Lord, there is a great thing that can happen. And this is this. Once we come back to Christ and we tell people about Christ. Like I said, I came back after a year and everybody's getting saved. I'm preaching the same message. 
prodigal son, prodigal son. You know, he came back to the Lord, and I'm preaching this, and people and kids are coming in, all kinds of kids and from drugs, all kinds of things. You see, the people of Nineveh repented. And I want to go over some issues of what they did. Number one, sackcloth and ashes. Visible repentance. This week, you guys fasted for a week. And uh, some of you, you know, fasting one meal is an incredible accomplishment. And that's like me, man. I've been there. I understand. That's an incredible thing. And can, can I say something real quick? Every January, we do a 21-day fast. And we've been doing this for probably around 10 years. And somewhere in the middle, I began to do um, the whole 21 days with just water. And fast is not about changing God. It's about changing you. Now, I've told you guys about the two miracles we've had. These, you know, I mean, we've had lots more. Like people were healed of all kinds of stuff, uh, aneurysms, all kinds of cancer, everything. But these two miracles, man, the doctors are still freaking out about. They're just amazing. And do you know that in 2021, I think I fasted one or two days, uh, a full fast. In 2022, it was one or two days, a full fast. And maybe uh, there was... Uh, I did a meal in between. It's not about the fasting that will change God. It's the fasting that will change you. Yeah. And, and you don't get all, you know, uh, I, I call them the uh, fasting police. Don't get all fasting police on people. <laughs> well, then, no, no, you're putting that in your mouth. Oh, you can't do that. Don't get fasting police. Just allow God to change you because when he changes you, you see these miracles come up. So anyway, that's for free. I just want to add that in. But, but here's what's going on, okay? So sackcloth and ashes, visible repentance. What is sackcloth? I'm glad you asked. Coarse material, usually made of black goat's hair, making it quite uncomfortable to wear. They put on something that made it uncomfortable. They, were, they made themselves uncomfortable. Now, they also did not eat and drink, and that's very uncomfortable. But they put on sackcloth so that they would feel that, man, there's something going on. Why am I doing this? I think about this all the time when I fast. My body goes, hey, why are we not eating? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, oh, because we love God. And we love people. And so sackcloth is on their body. Man, I'm, I can't believe it's 12 o'clock. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm putting it in gear. Here we go. We're going to finish this. And ashes, ashes is burnt. You guys know what ashes, right? Everybody ever been to a campfire? Anybody your house ever caught on fire? Raise your hand, little girl. Okay. When, when something catches on fire and it becomes ashes, your memories, your pictures, the, the awards that you won, incredible things, things so important to you. They are ashes. And this is what it is, that there's this coarse clothes on, and these ashes are on them, and they're saying, listen, everything I have is just like being in the belly of that fish. It's just all ashes. It's not worth it. It's death. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy 
But Christ comes that we can have life and we can have it more abundantly. You see sackcloth and ashes in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, it says this, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads us to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Worldly grief produces death. You see, we have to have repentance. And I'm glad you asked. I can hear people asking in my mind, what is godly grief and what is worldly grief? So I'll tell you. Here it is. Godly grief produces repentance, turning away from the sinful path. Let me say it one more time. Godly grief produces repentance, turning away from the sinful path. Worldly grief is pain over consequences of sin, but does not repent. So can I tell you what that is? People that get caught and are really sad about it, and as soon as they get away with it, they do it again. Does that make any sense? Yeah. It's, you're not sad that you did it. You're sad that you got caught. And you want to be wiser so you don't get caught next time. Now, I, I want to kind of explain these things. So I'm going to explain them with how many of you guys know the Ten Commandments? Okay? Anybody? A few? Okay. One or two? Good. Ten Commandments. Here we go. So the Ten Commandments, Jesus said, and I got a little shirt on our church that says it and our sign says it. He said they're basically two. Love God. Love people. So, love God, love people. If you're not putting God first, commandment one, number one, I will have no other gods before me. If you're not putting God first, you're not loving God first. So, I don't know how to say that any clearer, but God comes before your wife. He comes before your children. He comes before you. God comes before everybody. And do you know why? Because God loves you more than you love you. God knits you together in your mother's womb. Psalms 139. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Everything about you was written in a book. He loves you. He loves you more than you love yourself. So if you love God first, then you're doing the right thing. This is why commandment number one says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Commandment number two, you cannot serve other gods. Jonah's on the ship, and they're, they're all praying to different gods, and they're like, which god do you have? And maybe one god said, well, I got the god of fentanyl, and I've got the god of heroin, and, and this is my god. And one god after another, and they're telling about their gods. They're saying, well, my god is the god of sexual immorality. My god is this. My god is that. And Jonah says, my God created everything. My God even created the devil. My God even made hell. I serve the awesome, incredible God. Well, then what are you doing here? Running away from him. <laughs> Guess what? You can't hide from God, man. And, and, and number three is misusing the name of the Lord. How do we misuse the name of the Lord? I love Jesus. 
And I go uh, every Monday grocery shopping for our family. Everybody's moved in and seven, it's my zen, it's my happy place to go shopping. Except it's also my day off. And sure enough, somebody's always in the way. You know, and it's like, love God and love people, but not on Monday. Because Monday, they're in my way. They're grabbing things that I need. And, and they're trying to actually have me minister to them. They're, out, they're saying, oh, I'm going through this and that. And I'm like, but it's my day off. And listen, sometimes we misrepresent the kingdom of God by just how we live. And this is misusing God's name. If you say you're a Christian, you must not misuse the name of the Lord. Not spending time resting in God. You must keep the Sabbath holy. How many of us just rest in God? Or do we just sit here and, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that? Anxiety, fear, depression, discouragement gets us and we're just writing everything else. And it's like, listen, God's screaming, He's saying, rest in me. Hey, have a Sabbath, give it to me. Number five, love people. You gotta not, uh, you, you've got to honor your parents. You have to honor your parents. You must not murder. And people here will say, oh, I'm a murderer. Well, I have murderers in my church, but I also have people that have murdered in their heart. And God will forgive you of that. But you have to ask him to forgive you. You say that I haven't murdered physically, but you have hated someone so bad in your heart that you've killed them. That's what Jesus said. How about adultery? He said the same thing. You say you've never committed adultery, but yet you have had adultery in your heart. You see, we can go on with these from stealing, bearing fault, witness against your neighbor, and coveting. It's time to turn from the sinful path and repent. Not just be sorrowful of the consequences of sin. You see, Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, verse 39 through 41, he said this, but he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation, and I'm wrapping it up, so all you guys say amen, real loud, amen. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but his, no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus equals forgiveness of our sins. Jesus leads us away from sin and disobedience and towards a relationship with Christ. So I told you, I'm going after two groups, basically everybody in the house. I'm going after those running from God, and I'm going after those who says, Pastor, I need to repent. I need to, to turn towards Christ. Because there's times that we uh, 
are, are so darkened by what's happening in society. Listen, this today is uh, uh, September 11th, 9-11. Do you remember where you were 2001? I do. But since then, so many things have happened. So many ships of ours have been on the sea going in the wrong direction. <laughs> and God has shaken them. Amen. And I, I just have I just have a question for you today. Can you just say yes to him? Would you stand and, and just say yes to him today? Just just say yes. I mean, I don't know. You know, sometimes well, what's he gonna make me do? You know, I don't know. I, I can tell you this, I've been all over the world and in 2017, for the first time, I went to India, and I said, okay, Lord, I did that. Never want to go back. Yucky, yucky. 2019, I went to India again. In 2018, we started the India service in our church. I love them, but I said, Lord, I still, that's just not, you know, can you call me to Hawaii or, or you know, Barbados or something? And I'm telling you, he keeps calling me back to India just there in April. And I saw, I saw men and women that love God so much that they're giving their life. In 2019, I went over to Andhra Pradesh where we had our lives in our hands. And yet 800 people came out for one of the first gatherings to hear about Christ. People are hungry for Christ. They're ready to give their life for Christ. And Jesus will go with you wherever he calls you. If he calls you to the Ninevites, he's going to go with you there. Wherever he calls you, he will go with you. I didn't tell the rest of the story, but Jonah was upset that God <laughs> repented and didn't uh, mess him up. And so he grew a, a big, God grew a big leaf over the top of Jonah. And it really helped him because, you know, the skin was hurting and everything from the sun. But then in one quick moment, a worm, God also sent a worm into that and the, the plant died. And God said, are you sad about the plant? And he said, I'm so sad about the plant. It's terrible. And he said, you're sad about a plant. There's hundreds of thousands of people that I was about to kill and destroy with my fire and you don't care about them. And can I say something? God made the plant for man, and he made man for God. He made this entire earth for you. It's all for you, but you are made for God. You are to be put in the offering plate like you are right now this morning. You are to be made for God. It says in the Bible, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, you will be saved. And as I gave you that uh, example this morning, I would love everyone to do this with me. And those online, maybe you've never said this, and those here, you've never said this, but I'd like you to repeat with me. Pray this prayer this morning. Say this, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you're raised from the dead and I will follow you 
all the days of my life. Amen. Praise God. You did that. Give him glory. Amen. Pastor Allen, you want to come up?